How are we all doing this morning? Man, I just sense the presence of God, and uh, I'm really excited to minister this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're in uh, the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 12. And uh, my series is called Great Minds Think Alike, and they do. That's why you're here this morning, because <laughs> you're trying to follow the will of the Lord for your life. And I've been highlighting the things that God considers to be great. Because, you know, I've discovered is things that we sometimes consider great may not be things that God considers to be great. And uh, I want to highlight um, what Jesus said. Mark chapter 12, I'm starting in verse 20. I want to read down to verse 31. And I, I love this particular passage of Scripture. Here's what the Bible says. That one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, he perceived that, he had, that Jesus answered them well. And he asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus said, the first of all the commandments is hear all your soul with all your mind and all is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And this is the first commandment. And the second is like it, he said. That you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Father, this morning, I thank you for the word of the Lord and the house of the Lord today. And God, I pray that uh, we would have insight so that we would grow and change as people. I pray hearts to be receptive this morning. Help me teach the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that we would just experience in a whole new way an uh, element of your love that would j just resonate within us, bring our hearts alive, our, our, our minds to receive, our hearts open. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen and amen and amen. You know, one thing I do appreciate about this church is there's a lot of love in this house. You know that? We, we do love each other here. And, uh, you know, one example of that is that we're having uh, breakfast uh, with the men for our Vindicated Men's group that's taking place this, this next week, 6.30 in the morning. I'm cooking breakfast. And I'll just be honest with you. I talked myself up cooking breakfast. I told everyone how amazing it was going to be. I had, a, I had a terrible breakfast fail. I mean, I cook casserole, and I, I, you know, ladies would know this. I didn't know, but I, I didn't get it cooked long enough, and so it was soggy. Ain't nothing worse than soggy casserole. And, uh, it, but you know what? The men in our church, they were like, no, brother, it was great. I mean, they told me it was, and, and I was like, well, e either they really love me or they're lying. I'm not too sure I'll take it either way. <laughs> I promise to do better next week. We're having biscuits and gravy, all right, and I will do better. I will bring my A game. And uh, we'll be cooking it up. So that's this, uh, that's this uh, Tuesday morning at 6.30 while we study the scriptures, eat breakfast and fellowship together. We will get you fed, have devotions, and off to work by 7.30 a.m. Come on, somebody. So yeah. grateful for your love for us, all right? Now, I get to touch on one of my absolute favorite subjects this week, and that would have to be the love of God. I'd love to teach on the love of God. And we are in a passage of scripture here, which is sort of known as, as, as the great commandment. This is something great in the eyes of God. You know, I, I talked about the greatest among you last week, which is a servant. That's what Jesus said. The greatest among you would be a servant. This week, we're in the great commandment. The greatest among you knows how to love people. That's what Jesus is going to tell us. And next week, I'm going to hit on the great commission, the God's heart strategy for reaching people. And I'm just really enjoying highlighting some of these things. So as I was reading through the passage of Scripture this morning, or this week, what, what came to me are three questions about love. I, I, I love teaching through the Bible. I, I love studying it, love reading it, and I like to take a passage and work through it, read it many, many times, 
to understand it until the Lord would put an outline in my spirit about how to, how to teach it, how to, how to approach it. So, you know, these are questions that everyone's going to have to answer, questions you got to answer. And what's so interesting is that the context, again, is key because what's happening here is the Pharisees, uh, the Sadducees and the scribes, they were actually questioning Jesus. They came to him, they wanted to know if they should pay taxes. They wanted to know what the great commandment was. I mean, they, they had all kinds of questions. And they're pressing. Imagine the audacity to ask Jesus. And of course, he's going to answer their questions. And in the middle of that, I just felt like there's some questions here for us this morning that you have to answer in your life. And I want to highlight this 20th verse here. I'm starting. One of the scribes came. You know what? Scribes were, were like the, the lawyers. Uh, these were the people who were the most skilled at the law and the traditions, and, and they could write it. They could prescribe it. They would uh, you know, be able to have legal documents. They were uh, members. So this is like the upper echelon. They came to him, and they heard them reasoning together, and they perceived that he answered them well. I'm, I'm sure they thought that. This is Jesus that they were questioning. They perceived he'd answered them well. And then they asked Jesus, what is the first commandment. Someone say the first commandment. The, the foremost commandment. What's the greatest commandment? What, what's the number one commandment in the Bible? And Jesus answered them. And he said, the first, the greatest, he said, of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And he said, this is the first commandment, the foremost, the great commandment. You know, as I was reading in the passage here, the thought occurred to me about the question came, what does it really mean to love God? I mean, what, what does it mean? That's what they're asking him. And Jesus, as he normally did, is quoting from the Old Testament. If you study the New Testament, you study Jesus, you study what Paul wrote, they're going to be referring to the Old Testament over and over again. It, it's like you know, the New Testament was built upon the foundation of the Old Testament. And so he answered them from a portion of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, which is called the Shema. And it's actually one of the famous quotations the Pharisees had. They, they would quote this all the time. It was well known among them. It's a, it's a famous uh, text in, in their understanding uh, from Deuteronomy. He said, uh, you will... He said, the Lord our God is one, and to love him with everything you have. Man, what does it mean to love God? That is such a loaded question. And I think sometimes, you know, people think it's subjective, you know, to their experience and who they are. But you know what Jesus did is he gave everybody, he gave them a very specific answer. He, he is going to be detailed in what it really means to love God, and he's quoting you know, here in the Old Testament, he's quoting these scriptures. First of all, he said something so interesting. The Lord our God is one. That's more than just a monotheistic statement. You know, as Christians, uh, we believe that God is one. Jews believe that. And, and it's not that he's saying there's one God. What he's highlighting here is a singular focus that we should have about the Lord. That, that he is the object of our attention. He is really the center point of our life. That's what we really need to be focused on. The Lord, our God, is one. There's a singular focus on who He is. This is the beginning of where we start understanding what it means to really love Him. And, and, and so he quotes this passage in Deuteronomy, chapter 6. He said, 
that you should love the Lord your God, have all your attention. He said, love him with all of your heart. Your heart. Uh, that, that word heart is really like the essence of all your affections is what it means. It, it's, it, it's like everything within you, uh, the center of your being. What he's talking here about is your spirit man. You know, your spirit man is the part of you that's born again. The Bible describes this about uh, humans that were spirit, soul, and body. And your spirit is the part of you that's been redeemed by Jesus. It's the part of you that gets to fellowship with God. Your spirit that's within you uh, is that, that part of you that hears God's voice. It's the part of you that can sense God's presence. And, and you know, when you spend time in his presence, when you read the scriptures, and, and when you have conviction in your heart or your conscience is provoked, that is your spirit. Your spirit is the part of you that really wants to serve God. It, it doesn't want to rebel against him. It wants to submit to him. It wants his ownership in your life. And, and so this is, this is the spirit of a man. He loved the Lord, he said, with, with the very core of your being, your spirit being in love with him. And he elaborates. He said, he, not just your whole heart, but he's going to talk about your whole soul. You know, we are a spirit, a soul, and a body. And, you know, the soul is, is thought to be your, your mind, your will, and your emotion. I think in this passage of Scripture here, you know, as we're talking about it, this could have to do with some of the distinctives about who you are, what makes you distinct. That, that's, that's in your soul. Uh, some of the personality that you have. With all of its quirks, you know, you do have personality quirks. And I, I know that because I know you. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I have my own personality quirks. You know what one of my quirks is when I, when I love to spend time with the Lord. I like to pray in the dark, and I like to listen to instrumental music. And I get people who laugh at me. They might ridicule that. I also like to walk and pray. So I'm in the dark praying with instrumental music, and if you come across me, and that's what I'm doing, hey, that's just how I roll, all right? That's a quirk of mine. You got your own quirk. Some of you like to chew ice. <laughs> you know, so I know some people, they feel like God speaks to them in songs all the time. So um, you know, some people are prophetic, and, and every time they come across numbers and addresses, they feel God speaking. That's just a quirk. I don't have that quirk. I think that's strange. <laughs> Everyone's got different quirks, different things, and, and there's that part of you, you can love God with that. There, there, that, that element of who you are, the uniqueness of who you are, the way he wired you, the way he designed you, and that part of you can love God. Spend time with him. Be with him. It's, it's just the way you process things and, and how you handle things in your mind, your will, and your emotions. He said, love him with all your heart, love him with all your soul, love him with all your mind. That, that's your mental facilities, the way you understand things. And this is the place where secrets exist. I mean, I am so grateful that I don't know what people are thinking. You know, can you imagine how horrible that would be to walk down the mall and hear the thoughts of what people are thinking? You'd probably be shocked about what people think. And the thing in your mind is this is where some of the secret things exist. You're seeing your thoughts, you know, the... The, the things that you really dwell on, and to love the Lord with all your mind, what that simply means is that your mind is fixed upon Him, that you're focused on the Scriptures, that your mind is focused on Him. He said, I'll give perfect peace to people whose mind is stayed on Him because they focus on Him. They love Him. They trust Him. Man, there's something refreshing and beautiful about a mind that's focused on the Lord. I mean, that will keep a person safe, soul, safe, saved, sanctified. It's not sin if you have a thought that comes through your mind. It becomes sin when you dwell on it, and it grows into an action. And all Jesus is telling us here, if you're really going to love the Lord, you're going to have a mind 
that's fixed on his word, that's focused upon. That's where you get to solve problems to answers is when a mind that knows the scriptures, and you can love him with your mind, man. You can keep the word of God front and center. That's how you love God, with your heart, with your understanding, with your soul. And by the way, he said with your strength, which also means like your physical body. And, you know, we, we live in a time here where, I mean, it, it seems to be everyone's aware of, you know, trying to take care of their bodies. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. And, you know, there's something about a pure, bo- a pure life living before God righteously where you're taking care of your body, stewarding it with diet, with exercise. You know, I've, I've enjoyed getting up early in the morning, going for runs at the gym. I feel like that you know, it, it's incredible what that endorphin release will do in your brain. I'm totally convinced if you would get exercise, you could probably get off antidepressant medication. I mean, it, it's really incredible what just a little bit of exercise will do. Eating right, taking care. <laughs> I have to laugh. Elizabeth and I have become like old people. You're, you're not even 40 yet, are you, Elizabeth? But we, we like to eat. I'm 40. Yeah, you're younger than 40. We like to eat at like four in the afternoon. Huh? Three, three o'clock, yeah, because we, we feel like it's the most amazing thing. Just better health decisions, eating earlier in the day makes us feel younger, healthier, stronger, just keeps the weight off. Little things like that, man, it's incredible what it will do in your life. You know, I like what Romans says about it. He said, I bes- Romans 12, I beseech you by the mercy of God, present your body a living sacrifice. That's interpreted as a spiritual act of worship. When you honor God with your body, when you love him with your body, you're actually worshiping who he is. Jesus said, if you really want to know what it means to love God, you love him with all of your heart, all of your you know, distinct personality, your, your, your understanding, and your body. And, and if you can put that all together and encapsulate it in one, he's just saying, you got to love me with everything that you have, with my whole being. That's what it means to love God. I'm going to lay everything down before him. I want to love him with every aspect of who I am, every element of my being. I want it all laid before him, my whole spirit, soul, and body. That's what it means to love him. Jesus said that. You, what does it mean to love God? I'm giving him every part of who I am. I want to honor him. Now, that brings us to a second statement Jesus made in verse 30. Here's the second question. He said, the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, there's no other commandment greater than these, which provoked a second question in my mind. What does it mean to love people? You got to love God and you got to love people. You know, when Jesus, uh, when he said the second is like it, he's not making like uh, a secondary train of thought. He's actually building upon or elaborating or extending. it. It's not like you can separate the two. Uh, the, these things work together. If you love God, you will love people. That's what he's saying. Inseparable. I remember having arguments with you know, people. They, they would ask, well, is the church service supposed to be about God, or is the church service supposed to be about people? And uh, the answer is both. <laughs> I mean, think about what Jesus is saying right here. What does it mean to love God? It means that you will love people. I mean, he's, he's putting them all together. It's, it's, it, it, it's like th- these things operate in conjunction with each other. They're, they're one and the same. And in the same way that the answer to the first question is found in Jesus' statement, the same thing is true with this question that we're asking. What does it mean to love people? And 
Jesus again is going to quote the Old Testament. He's quoting from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18. You can look it up in the cross-reference of your Bible. This is a famous passage called the Golden Rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And th this is the royal law of love. I I'm, I'm just, I'm going to learn how to love people. The answer is right there. If you want to know what it means to love people, it means you treat them the way that you would want to be treated. It means that you're willing to, you know, honor them, give them dignity, treat them uh, that way, love them as you would love yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. It's very simple. And this is like a revolutionary rule, simple, but foundational to Christianity. You want to talk about Christianity 101. What does it really mean to be a believer? It means that you know how to love other people. You know that the most spiritual people I know, the greatest servants in the kingdom, the, the, the spiritual giants that I'm around, the people that I admire the most, the people that I've seen love God the most, the people that I want to grow and be like are people who understand this principle. They're people who know how to love one another. And seeing that blesses me. I want to learn from people like that. I want to be around people like that. Loving each other is, is, is such a profound, simple, and wonderful thing in our lives. I, this, I, love, I love to just talk about and think about God's love. It's something that you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by, something I feel like is growing in my life. I, I love studying the subject. You know, the thing about love is it's a very natural thing in your life. That's why it's listed in Galatians chapter 5 as the first fruit of the Holy Spirit. A fruit is something that just grows naturally. It comes off of trees. And what he's saying is love is something that should just be natural and normal in your life. The love of God should be something that is free-flowing. In fact, Jesus said that that's how the world is going to know that you're his believers, is by the love that we have for one another. Which means that love is the evidence that you really know God, that you're born again. That love in your life is natural, it's normal, it's the thing that people see, and it demonstrates that God is actively at work among you. And that means even when that fruit gets squeezed, that sweet things are going to come out of it. When the pressure is on. You know, like when your wife asks you to, you know, take out the trash... When she asks you if, if you would make the bed, <laughs> when, when she, you know, asks to do things that may be inconvenient in the middle of a football game, <laughs> even though you don't want to do it, love will be at work. And boy, if they can see it in private in a home, you can make it happen with people. So it's natural. It's something that should just flow out of your life. But here, here's the thing I love about the Bible. It's so balanced. Because love is a fruit, right? It's natural. But it's also something the scriptures say that has to be pursued. 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love, be pursued, which means you got to have to make the effort. You're going to have to work at it. You know what? I, I firmly believe this is the reason why people fall out of love in a marriage. It's because they haven't taken the time to put forth things like romancing and dating their wife. You know, you get comfortable and you don't pursue it. You don't make an effort to do it. And when it comes to the love of God, even though it should be something natural that you know, you also have to make the effort. You have to be intentional with your children to raise them. 
You have to work at doing that. And what I found is when you will make the effort to do something and put forth the effort, that's when love really starts to grow and get developed in your life. Uh, it means that you know how to reach out of yourself to be a blessing to other people and situations. So, yeah, it's natural, but it's also something that you have to work at, something that has to be pursued. That's such an interesting verse, 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. The thing about the love of God is it's like a doorway into spiritual gifts. And if you study the context of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he's talking about spiritual gifts in chapter 12. He concludes that chapter by saying, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Chapter 13 is the famous chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, about the love of God. And it's in between you know, spiritual gifts and love. And then in this 14th chapter, he said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. It's almost like love is the motivating force behind a spiritual gift that's operating, whether it's the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, uh, whether it's praying in tongues and interpretation, or whether it's motivational gifts like, you know, serving people, leadership. Uh, he, he said that verse, desire to prophesy. In, in other words, that, that's something that that love can flow out of your life. That's why prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort, because it, it's motivated by love. And what I have discovered is people who are full of the love of God have an easy time operating gifts because they're comfortable, they're confident, they're really just concerned about blessing somebody else rather than they are about taking from them. It's about how can I be a blessing? How can, how can the will of God be communicated to someone? And love is a motivating factor that pushes us to do that. You know, speaking of the gifts of the Spirit, there's a great ver- one of the gifts of the Spirit is the discerning of spirits. And there's a great verse in 1 Corinthians 1 in verse 9, which tells us that your love should abound more and more in all knowledge and all discernment. In other words, it's like love is a lens that you can look through for proper discernment. You, you want to know the truth about situations and people? You got to put the glasses of love on, and you'll be able to discern situations and see them properly. Yeah, that, that's what love will help you do. You know, I've had a few occasions where I might, the Lord might give me a dream maybe about a friend of mine. I've had it happen a couple times with minister friends of mine. And sometimes I might see something that's unflattering. And that doesn't give me any you know, reason to gloat or look at them and, and, and condemn them because guess what? I've got some unflattering things about myself, which we might get into later. <laughs> what it does is it gives me a proper view of like, how can I pray for this brother? How, how, what, what can I do to come beside them and help them? That is the love of God. And if you have any kind of discernment at all and you're able to see people through the lens of God's love, I'm telling you, it'll help you minister to them. It'll help you love them. It will provide truth. It'll provide context. That's how you can really be a neighbor to somebody. How, how can you extend grace to people? You look at them through the lens of love. Be a blessing in their life. Yeah. The love of God, natural, has to be pursued, a gateway to gifts, helps your discernment. Now, we're, we're here quoting what Jesus said, Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's called the royal law of love, the golden rule. And it's closely related to another law, another rule, which is called the law of sowing and reaping. Which simply means, here's what we're trying to say. 
that love is one of these things that is reciprocal in your life. That when you give love, you're going to get it back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will people give back to you? Yeah, don't be deceived, Galatians said. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. And maybe you feel like, well, I don't feel like people love me. I feel criticized. I feel judged. Well, it could just be that maybe you haven't been extending enough love out and sowing love out. That the more love that you extend and walk in and give and treat people, the more love you'll receive back in return. And I've watched this over and over. And I, I just, I love to just be a blessing sometimes to people. I'm looking for ways to encourage them. I'm looking for ways to love on them. And, and I get excited about that because I know if I do that, I'm going to get it back in my life. You know, if, if I could say, is there anything I would like to have in this church? The number one thing I'm after is a place filled with people who love God and love each other. Man, that is what we have on our sign out front. We have a passion for God and a compassion for people. And if you could just get people walking in love towards each other, man, you could really change so much about our society. You could change things in our city. Gifts of the Spirit would operate. You'd be a blessing. And, and, and man, I want that culture to permeate what we do. Whenever we have visitors that come here, it's interesting. They'll be like, man, you got one of the friendliest churches I've ever been to. I thank God for that. I'm after people who know how to love each other and love God. Because I'll tell you something, you don't get any more spiritual than that. That is like the greatest thing Jesus said you could have. Be a servant to somebody and love people. Love God, love people. These are great things that God admires. These are things he wants us in our lives. Yeah. Man, what does it mean to love God? Everything in your heart. What does it mean to love people? It means you know how to treat them the way you'd want to be treated. Brings me to a third question. I want you to notice this... Uh, this scribe, verse 32. This scribe, this very intelligent lawyer, said, well, well said, teacher. Uh, he said, you have spoken truth. He said, there's one God and there's no other but he. Yeah, that's true. There's one God. And he said to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor and yourself. Watch this. Is more, he said, than the whole of burnt offerings and sacrifices. I studied this. I, 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 you know, he's really getting to is the third question here. Here's the question. Why is obedience then better than sacrifice? I mean, this dude, this very educated lawyer, had a great answer. And you'll notice that, that when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, discreetly, that... that Jesus observed that this guy understood the point. He said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And I like what it says. After that, no one dared to answer, or no one dared to, uh, dared to question Jesus anymore because he had answers for everything. Now, see, if you look at a cross-reference in your Bible of, of this verse, it's going to take you to 1 Samuel 15, 22, where, Saul, where, where Samuel the prophet was rebuking King Saul because he did not Follow through with what he told him to do with King Agag of the Amalekites. And Saul said to him, don't you understand that obedience is better than sacrifice? Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, Hosea said it like this. He said, uh, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's rebuking uh, a wayward backslidden Israel. <clears throat> There's something about understanding the nature of obedience and what it really means. These are questions you have to answer in your life. 
These are things, I mean, this is where the rubber hits the road, really. The reason why obedience is better than sacrifice is found in what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, when he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you really love me, you will be obedient to the things that I've asked of you. Now, I remember one time, I had a cousin in California, and we'd gone to Oral Roberts University together. I, I remember we were walking along the beach in California. It was about in, in uh, Thanksgiving, around this time of year in the fall, we were walking around the beach, and we were just talking about life, because you know, she'd been going through some struggles and, and trials, and, and I just reminded her what Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. She said, well, I do love God. And I said, well, that's interesting, because your lifestyle didn't really line it up for that. I mean, you've been out partying, you're lying about things, you've been, you know, making poor decisions when it comes to relationships. And, and I remember when I said that, it just like, it went over her like, a, like she was not happy with what I said. But I come across a lot of people like this. A lot of people will, will, you know, talk about some of the sacrifices they've done, but never really deal with the matters in their heart. They'll make it a sacrifice. I, I, I do go to church about once a month. <laughs> like, that's a sacrifice. I did give in that offering last year. <laughs> it, people come up with all kinds of excuses to justify some of what they perceive to be sacrifices. But they never really do deal with weightier issues of their heart. They're unwilling to talk about those things. We talked about this last week when we talked about being a servant. And what Jesus is doing is he's getting down to the heart of the matter. The external things don't matter. Do you realize that the commandments that he's given to you are not external commandments? They're internal. See, Jesus elevated the whole standard of righteousness. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. He, he, he said, if you look at a woman, it's already lust. If you hate your brother, it's murder. I mean, he, he's taken the, the, the law and its external application, and he's taken it to a whole other level, to the heart. That, that's why obedience is better than sacrifice, because what God is looking at is what you're doing. Pharisees were totally obsessed with external things. You know, I was listening to the radio. They were talking about the Taliban over in Afghanistan. They put it in law. If you are not wearing your hijab, they're going to kill you. And I thought, isn't that crazy? Like, if you were in an American courtroom and you showed up without a suit and tie, it could be a death sentence. Can you imagine something like that? Apparently, they haven't got the memo that God's able to see beyond external things and he can see deep down into the recesses of a heart and what's going on. That's the way God looks at things. That's why obedience is better than sacrifice because it goes down to the heart of a matter. And by the way, I like what 1 John 5 says, that his commandments are not burdensome. Woo! In other words, loving people is not a burden. You know what is a burden? When you're full of unforgiveness, when you got bitterness in your heart, when, when, when you're an angry person, can't forgive people, won't turn the other cheek, that is a burden. That will wear you out. That's draining, not just on you, but people around you. It's eating you up. But his commandments, the Bible says, are not burdensome. There's something about loving God. Loving people, something about having your heart right with God. And it's a beautiful thing that keeps your heart in an obedient place. I, I like what the 112th Psalm says, that he blesses those who delight in his commandments. Do you realize that his commandments will bring the blessing of God into your life? I, I love the, the king in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 26, I think it's Hezekiah. It says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. When, when you, when your heart is set to seek him, when you seek first the kingdom of God, when, when, when it's something real and live and living on the inside of you, man, his blessing 
will come into your life in great ways, man. There's something about just being totally sold out, committed to him so that you're obedient to him. And that brings blessing into your life. It's better than sacrifice. It, it, it's a matter of the heart. See, these are the things that, that, that questions you've got to answer. You, how, how are you going to love God? How are you going to love people? And why is obedience better than sacrifice? Think, things you've got to ask, things you've got to answer, things you've got to deal with. Now, I want to ask you one more question. And this one's not on your outline. This, one, this one's just on the screen. My, my next question is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that mean? This one perhaps might be a little more subjective because sometimes he might ask you to do things that uh, he didn't ask other people to do. Take up your cross and follow me daily. That's what he said. He said, if you don't love me, you're not worthy of me. Think about that. If you won't leave father, mother, you're, you're not worthy of me. Man, that is quite a statement. There's something about following Jesus that will cost you something. And everyone has to answer that question. What does it mean to follow him? What will I give up to follow him? What cross do I have to carry? That's what it means to love him. I'm willing to follow him wherever he may go. I'm willing to sacrifice and, and, and give things away. Um, if you're following Jesus, it means you're going to love people. Now, I, I, I pride myself on, on loving people. I try to go out of my way to talk to people, love them. And I feel like we've got a good culture in this church. But I will tell you, that isn't always the case. And I'm sure that's not the case for you in certain situations. I remember one time, some years back, I was dealing with a very difficult situation that was wearing me out. And, you know, when, when you sometimes get places in your life where you're real dry spiritually or you get frustrated, it's hard to love people. Did you know that? Like, like people can start wearing you out. And I was asked, you know, to sit down with the family. And, and you know, I was, I don't know, the situation just got weird. Let's just say that. They had a young son in his 20s. He just had a hard time finding a job. And he really wanted to go, like, be a, you know, professional musician in Nashville or work in Hollywood. And um, I might have been a little too hard in telling him his thoughts were crazy. <laughs> I might have been, a, you know, I was pretty firm with him, pretty direct. And it got interpreted like, man, he was really hard on him. And his parents got frustrated. They had left, never came back. And it bothered me. I felt the Lord, you know, check me on that. I felt him convict me about that, how I handled that situation. I've never forgotten that because there could be better ways to love people. That's just something I had to walk through, something I had to learn. It's totally out of my nature to do things like that. But I had, I, I just, I got angry in the situation. And maybe you're out there and you can relate. Maybe there's times in your life where you haven't loved people the best way that you could. There's times to confront people. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you've got to tell the truth and it might bother people, but there's something about loving people that just requires some wisdom in your life. Yeah, what does it mean to love God? I'll follow him. What does it mean to love people? I'll treat them the way I'd want to be treated. Yeah. Maybe it has to do with you keeping the word of God alive and well in your heart. Keeping his commandments. You know, Psalm 119, says, I want to keep his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Man, that's, that's the commandment I want to have in my heart, alive and well with it. And before I pray, I ask you this question. Are you following him? What does it mean when he said, follow after me? Because a lot of people, commentators, when they look at the passage of scripture and they said to the guy, you're not far from the kingdom of God, Jesus 
potentially is extending the man an invitation to follow after me. I mean, think about it. That's a remarkable thing. This man may have been among the priests in Acts chapter 6, a great multitude. Many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Maybe he got converted. We don't know. Jesus said, you're close. You're close. You keep on pursuing truth. Let me ask you the question this morning. Are you actively following the Lord? In your heart, do you know if you're obedient to his commandments? Are you serving him? Are you sticking with him? Or is your heart far from him? I mean, that is the point of the Old Testament. Many times he said, you might honor me externally, but your heart is far from me. And maybe your heart's far from the Lord this morning. I don't know. I can get every head better if your eye closed. I just want to give you the opportunity to get right with the Lord. Yeah, in your heart. Mm. Maybe just put a hand up. Just say, I know I'm not where I need to be. I haven't. Yeah. Maybe he's provoking something in your heart. Yeah. Let's just take a moment. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want to open myself up to you. I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Give me a clean heart. Mm. Yeah. Father, I pray over this group of people here today. God, I pray that we would be a people who love you and know you and walk with you and want you in our lives. I pray, Lord, for hearts and minds ready, receptive to receive the word of God. I pray, Lord, we understand fully what it means to love one another. I pray that we would understand what it means to love God. Thank you, Father, for opening up our hearts to receive our minds today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say, amen and amen. And you know, one thing I love about teaching about God's love is that uh, it does open up doorways for spiritual gifts to operate. I've really tried to been leaning in. Uh, in moments like this to what the Lord might say, you know, what he's encouraging me to do, growing that gift, because love is that motivating force. So a lot of times I'm just, I'm staying open. Sometimes the Lord might prompt me to minister in the service. A lot of times it's just private afterwards. I, I don't know why. I just feel like a lot of times I might have a word for someone privately. It doesn't always have to be public. Uh, but I, I do try to stay open to it. I try to listen to it. Love will do that in somebody. I want to invite you to stand up with us this morning. And uh, if you want prayer, the altars are open. This is a great atmosphere to receive an answer to prayer. God loves you. Did you know that? He loves you. That's why we love each other. So if you want prayer, I want to invite you forward. We'll come pray with you. We've got a, a team here to work with people. I, I just, you know, man, I, I just want to encourage you this week to go love on somebody. Find a way to be a blessing to somebody. Amen? Find a way to get them to the house of God. Find a way to just, you know, encourage someone like Jesus did to this scribe. Encourage them in God's love. Uh, we'll be here on Wednesday night for youth group and prayer. We love you very much. I hope you enjoy this beautiful fall we're having, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you all next week. In the name of Jesus, amen. And I did say, hey, Sarah Mormon, would you come down here? I want to pray with you. And you all can be dismissed, man. We love you very much. God bless you. <laughs>